Happy New Year and welcome to Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me, as always, is the woman whose podcasting skills I've been leeching off of for years. It's Lydia. (laughs) You caught me like (laughs) pre-sneeze. I sound a little funny because I've got some sinus stuff going on, but I'm happy to be here as always. Also joining us for this episode is my co-host from the other side of the podcasting swamp. Please welcome Tom. Tom, welcome to Orphan Entertainment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've had a third person in the Orphan Entertainment scene. It has, yeah. So this is a lot of fun. And we've picked quite the film to do a trio on. (laughs) Oh, we have indeed. (laughs) But before we go any further, I want to first thank everyone for tuning in. We certainly do appreciate it. Orphan Entertainment is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, if you have the option to do so, rate and review the show. It really does help get the show out to more people. And another great way to help is just by sharing the episode you're listening to on whatever social media platform you use. For instance, if you're a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join. And this is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the show. Just search for Orphaned Entertainment. And of course, thanks to the over 3,000 subscribers of that channel. It's, we really appreciate it. And for everyone who uh, comments on them, thanks for the upload. You are welcome. If you would like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. You can find all these links on our webpage, orphanedentertainment.com. With that, let's listen to one of the five-minute mysteries and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we will wade into the murky depths of the bayou and try to survive the attack of the giant leeches. Another five-minute mystery. In a small private lodge high on a mountaintop in the Lake Placid region, Alice Herrick toys nervously with a corsage of orchids pinned to her luxurious fur wrap as her husband, his broad back against the cabin door, twirls a small revolver on his fingertips. You're a fool, Charles. I don't know what you want of me. I'll do anything. Anything you say. There's nothing I want of you now, Alice, but to have you dead. It's money you want, isn't it, Charles? All right. You can have every cent I have. Oh, no, Alice. This is it. You... You haven't got the nerve. You haven't got the nerve to kill me. You'd never even... You've underestimated me for the last time, Alice. And this time, it was fatal. I... I can't believe it. Here, Mr. Herrick, you'd better sit down. Over here by the fire. Thank you. I... I guess I'd better. Where was she, Sheriff, when you found her? Please, I want to know everything. Well, she was sprawled in that chair over there by the desk. The gun had obviously fallen out of her hand onto the floor. How long do you think she'd been dead, Sheriff? The coroner said about 48 hours. Two days. And all that time, Alice was lying here dead. I didn't even know. Yes, the ironic part of it is, we might not have even found her when we did. 
The skiers who reported it to me had passed your place earlier in the day and had seen your wife sitting there through the window and thought nothing of it. The gun was on the side away from the house. About dusk, they passed again, and when they saw she hadn't moved, they came up for a closer look. They saw the gun then? No, it wasn't until they noticed a wilted orchid on her dress and a few fallen petals beside her on the floor that they knew it was a woman and that she'd been dead for some time. How ghastly. The thing we've got to find out, Mr. Herrick, is why. Why should your wife decide to take her life? I I don't know. She often liked to come up here alone, and this time I thought it was no different. You were never worried about your wife being up here alone? Alice was a very independent woman, Sheriff. She wouldn't allow worrying over. Besides, we two were the only ones who had keys, and it was as safe as any place could be. Then you'd say we could rule out the possibility of anyone's having gotten in and killed her. Killed her? But Alice committed suicide. You said so yourself. Well, we don't like to overlook anything. But no one could have known she was up here. Besides, you said the place was locked when you found her. There was no robbery. What would be the motive? Maybe that's the one thing you can tell us, Mr. Herrick. The motive, I mean. I, I, I don't understand. What are you driving at? Just this, Mr. Herrick. Your wife did not commit suicide. She was murdered, and you're under arrest for that same murder. Why did the sheriff arrest Charles Herrick for murder? What was the clue? In a moment, we'll hear, but first... We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our cues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Now, back to our story. That was a nice, neat little job of stage setting you did, Mr. Herrick, to make your wife look like a suicide. Gun carelessly dropped under her lifeless hand, wilted petals fallen from her orchid corsage, but no one else could have gotten in because the door was locked, and the only other key with you, a perfect suicide, except for one thing. You shouldn't have been so exacting as to have strewn fallen petals from your wife's flowers, Mr. Herrick, or didn't you know orchids do not shed their petals?
Attack of the Giant Leeches was a 1959 horror film produced independently by Gene Corman, brother of Roger Corman, and distributed by American International Pictures. It was directed by Bernard Kowalski and starred Ken Clark, Yvette Vickers, uh, Jan Shepard, and Tyler McVeigh. Michael Emmett and Bruno Vasoto round out the cast. Mysterious goings-on disrupt a quiet town on the outskirts of the Florida Everglades. When a dead man is found in a swamp, leaving, having been apparently killed by an unknown animal, game warden Steve Benton begins investigating with the help of his girlfriend Nan and her father Doc Grayson. Local shopkeeper Dave's blonde bombshell wife and her lover Cow are caught by Dave and they're forced into the swamp at gunpoint but their troubles are only beginning when giant leech-like creatures surface and drag them down to their underwater lair. Although no one immediately believes Dave's story about the monsters, they can't ignore that something is in the swamp when more locals go missing. Attack of the Giant Leeches was filmed over eight days at the Los Angeles County Arboretum and Botanical Garden. Uh, Ken Clark, who plays our heroic game warden, was an American actor but starred in films in Europe as well as the U.S., he was a secret agent in the Secret Agent 077 trilogy, as well as several other Eurospy films, and starred in some spaghetti westerns. His most well-known film here in the States may be 1958 South Pacific, where he played the role of Stew Pot. But many sci-fi or B-movie fans may know him best as Captain Anderson in 1950's 12 to the Moon. Yvette Vickers, who is our blonde bombshell here, was actually studying at UCLA for journalism when on a whim she took up an acting class and found she really enjoyed it and changed her major to drama. She appeared in a number of television ads, and moved to New York to model for White Rain Shampoo, and eventually went back to L.A. to pursue an acting career in Hollywood. She starred in the James Cagney-directed Shortcut to Hell in 1957, and in the same year appeared in Reform Schoolgirl, an American international film, her image was used on the poster of that film, depicting her fighting with co-star Gloria Castillo. That poster has since become something of a collector's item, with originals selling for several hundred dollars. She would appear in several more films, mostly B-pictures, as well as numerous television shows. In 1959, she became Playboy Magazine's Playmate of the Month and appeared in several other men's magazines. It was also about this time that her film roles began to dwindle. She had a small role in the Paul Newman film HUD in 1963, and her final role was in the 1991 horror film Evil Spirits. I was a little surprised when I looked up the movie poster because I, I read that, oh, it's a collector's item. I'm like, yeah, is it really? And yeah, apparently it is because I saw it, them listed original prints going anything from $300 to $700. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it, it, to me, it's not even that spectacular of a poster, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> the kitsch of the day. Uh, I think that must be it. Yeah, it does have a, a, a lady in a bikini on it. <laughs> That's all it takes. I mean, it is more likely to be preserved for that reason alone, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty lady in a bikini. <laughs> Work for Raquel Welch. <laughs> it's actually a little surprising that Miss Vickers' career kind of on film dwindled when she started doing the the noonie mags yeah <laughs> you think that would have been made her a bigger draw certainly for like the drive-in movie uh films what was the year though that she did that uh 59 i think it was yeah that's probably not the the era to which one does such a thing <laughs> 
that late 50s, the 50s in general, a little too puritanical. Uh, oh, that's a good point. That's a little too naughty for even Hollywood at the time. Yeah, that's possible. That's a possibility. Now, she had waited just maybe even a few more years, got herself firm into the 60s. She'd probably been all right. That might have actually boosted her career at that point. Ken Clark, the star of this film, I've actually seen a few of his Eurospy films. How are they? <laughs> They're Can't just say a... familiar. Well, oh, I'll say this. I, I will. I will say this. He seems more at ease in those than he does in this. Mm. There is not a scene in this film where he doesn't look really uncomfortable. It's the sweater vest he's wearing the whole time under that shirt. <laughs> the sweater vest? <laughs> I think she's referring to his uh, a massively hairy chest. <laughs> I no. was. He's, I mean, it's impressive. <laughs> that's easily the hairiest chest I've ever seen. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even notice it. I didn't notice. <laughs> well, you thought he was wearing a sweater vest in this scene. <laughs> that must have been it. <laughs> I thought it was odd that he would swim in wool, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> he just hangs out in a sweater vest at home without another shirt on. No, when they come to his door at one point, um, mm, that's, uh, yes. Nan and her father show up and, and he's got his shirt off, which is kind of a, I thought was kind of a funny choice for this movie. It just was, there was like, it was a total non sequitur, but it, I couldn't, I couldn't not notice. Uh, they needed they needed a little bit of beefcake to offset the cheesecake with the, of Yvette Vickers, I guess. Well, they have them in swim shorts near the end. I, that's pretty uh, that's much true. enough. Yeah, the the diving sequences. Uh, yes. And, but I, I again, uh, I have to say, uh, for a, considering the the male form in, in the fifties, even what was considered good looking, this man's chiseled. He is pretty fit. I mean, yeah. no, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he was no. not your standard guy. Guy, he was like I, he, really yeah, built. He, he does not fit the uh, niche of a 1950s game warden in my eye. <laughs> He's definitely <laughs> well, more of the. He looks more like the James Bond secret agent type to me, for sure. I mean, you know, rugged outdoorsman. If he's outside being real active a lot, I suppose it makes sense. He's definitely that tall kind of not rustic exactly, but. I, I just keep thinking of the covers of all the Nancy Drew books, and anytime they showed <laughs> Ned, <laughs> I, he would have been the perfect Ned Nickerson. <laughs> you know, I thought this was a little ahead of its time too, because uh, 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 Ken's role—he—he's uh, he, kind of an eco warrior in this. I mean, he was <laughs> fairly hardcore on uh, on how the locals should be treating the wildlife and the. The environment in general. Oh, no, it's very yeah, it is true. He was definitely taking his uh, his job very seriously. You just hit on something really clever. I wish I had thought to look up what was going on in Florida around this time to see what kind of headlines were popping up and what was to do with alligators and all that. You know, I, I you have to imagine that Florida was becoming more of that retirement kind of vibe around this time, less of the. The hill, I mean, it's a hillbilly kind of group of people that, you know, they call them the swamp people. <laughs> that term is still around. Uh, they, call, <laughs> they call them, I think they call them swamp people, but then they're also like town folk. And uh, it'd be interesting just to see, okay, so why did they hit on a game warden? Uh, there must have been something going on at the time where 
there had that had to have come from something, but I didn't think to look it up. Next time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, c- considering that the, f- the film was filmed entirely in California, <laughs> I-, I think this is a lot of like. Well, I think this is what Florida's like. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why there were so few gators. Really, had nothing to do with the leeches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but. How about that one 30-second explanation for where the leeches came from that had to do with the ro- rocketry work Cape in Canaveral. Florida? Cape <laughs> yeah. Atomic, Canaveral. Was... Atomic power at Cape Canaveral during yeah. the... Yeah, their yeah, yeah I lo- love that. Uh, yeah, they, they they use atomic power to, to start the launch of those vehicles. I'm like, no. I think it's... Yeah, it's funny that they put that in at all because clearly it was not central to the plot. Uh, they, they, almost, needed a, they needed a very quick what the hell why do these things exist which is really weird because at this time atomic energy is is the future and so it's very straight and you know that's interesting you may, you commented about him being an eco warrior and then they're making commentary about atomic launches creating what what with huh maybe it really was well ahead of its time maybe this I, is I, a I, genius I, I, film I, I, here, here's the thing. I kind of like this one. <laughs> okay. Well, it's funny. You know, Lydia and I, Orphan Entertainment has not covered a lot of these, like, 50s B-movie monster flicks. We've done that's a couple. That's our job. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, hey, yeah, now. That's more Time Shifters thing. That's my lady jam. <laughs> I, love, I love a good monster film. Totally love one. <laughs> But on occasion, when we do get one, uh, one we did recently was the brain that wouldn't die, yeah. with uh, Jan in the pan. Jan in the pan. Know, the, yeah. The <laughs> and we found a lot in that where we felt like, in different hands, that film could have been the film mm-hmm. to change the direction of horror. Mm-hmm. And right. and it missed, and it had to wait for uh, Night of the Living Dead before mm-hmm. things really started changing. This one. It has some horrific qualities, but I don't think it's of that. There's nothing. It. <laughs> I just. I don't think the same can be said for this as what we were saying about the brain that couldn't die. Is all. <laughs> this is, I think, a kind of a quintessential bee creature film. You've got a a fair creature, a, not a not bad. It, it's. It they looks did pretty a good, good for. A, a couple of folks in, in trash bags. Uh, yeah, they they hid the, the human form very well. Mm-hmm. And so even though in your head you know that it must be people flapping their arms to... It reminded me a little of Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> a little bit. Not very much, but a yeah, little. No, I understood. But it, they did a good job of hiding that obvious human form. And I couldn't believe there was actually, I thought for a uh, 50s movie, a significant amount of blood. Um, I mean, uh, the whole time the leeches were feeding on their captives, there was kind of a significant amount of blood showing up. Seeing those scenes down in the in the little underwater cave with the leeches and the victims being kept alive uh, to be used as you know effectively food trough. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's vampires. Uh, it's it's pre. It's it is pre interview with the vampire level <laughs> feeding, which is yeah, that. Kind of that, deep. I, that idea is really horrific. I mean, that is <laughs> yeah. that's dark and disturbing. I mean, you you could really put yourself in that situation and think, God, I, that's just 
I, I don't know. She's like, no, go away. And I'm thinking, God, I would be thinking, just please end it. End it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's a very, it's, it's it, I mean, it's the alien abduction fear, isn't it? Something yes, takes you, yeah. you don't know where you are. And all you know is they're keeping you alive for very unhappy reasons. Yes. But that's, it is also, it's a confused, that was a long pause because I was thinking about how I wanted to express this. It's a confused plot because you have Liz and Dave and mm-hmm. Cal, who are not the main characters, but for a kind of a long period of time, it looks like maybe they're going to be the main characters. It yeah. does focus heavily on the quote-unquote B-plot yes. uh, for quite some time. Yeah, and, and without any gratification at the end. I, it, it's weird. It's almost like they were like, well, it's too short of a movie with only one group of interesting people. So let's have two groups of interesting people. But then, unfortunately, all of the real human interest is in the Liz Dave Cal triangle and none of the human interest is in the Steve Nan triangle. So it really doesn't matter. You're like, Oh, uh, Oh, you know, yeah, they won, but eh. <laughs> not that you particularly want, you know, Liz and Dave and Cal to survive, but at least you're a little invested in their history. You find out so much about Liz's history in this that you think, okay, she's going to make it. Cause even though you don't really like her, you know too much about her for her to just be, you know, an inconsequential character. But in the end, she is completely inconsequential. So I feel like there's, it's a confused plot. It feels like they took all of the effort of bringing interest to the characters to the wrong characters. There should have been the other side. Yeah, our our heroes, which I guess you could be consider um, Steve, Nan, and, Nan. and, and Doc are completely milquetoast. Yeah. I mean, they're very, and actually super confusing. Cause I mean, you get, you get Steve and Nan at the beginning, deeply in love while like go and free, um, hurt otters. Um, and the, the one second that Steve tries to do his job by telling her father that he's not going to blow up the lake. Um, <laughs> she is out. <laughs> she is done with him. I'm sorry, Doc. I can't do it. I have to do it myself. Wouldn't want to have to arrest you, Doc, but I will if I find you near the preserve with any explosives. Steve. Sorry, Nan. That's the way it's got to be. Steve's right, Nan. It's his job to protect wildlife. What about human life? Three people have been killed in that game preserve. Doesn't that mean anything to you? Nan, try to understand. If I could be sure something in the swamp was responsible for those deaths, I wouldn't hesitate a minute. We've been together the last three days. We didn't see a trace of anything unusual. Not so much as a suggestion of any form of life unknown to us. Steve, something killed those people. All right, I'll admit Sawyer's death left a lot of questions unanswered. But you can bet your bottom dollar the other two died from Dave Walker's shotgun. Do you really believe that? Figure it out, Nan. Walker admitted chasing his wife and cow into the swamps after he found them together. He shot them, and he tried to place the blame on Sawyer's DTs. If Sawyer had told us seeing a purple giraffes with polka dot tails, Walker would have claimed they did it. Wait, what? <laughs> well, and I was like the opposite way. He was like, no, I'm not going to throw dynamite in. And she's like, well, 
I think you're wrong. And he's like, clearly you have no under, she, she he, Jon Snowed her. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> and she was just like, what is, <laughs> it was a, it was a bizarre dynamic. The later when she really has the hissy fit about the dynamite, he actually lays out a fully logical reason why mm-hmm. this is not a thing that we we don't <laughs> jump to this. That 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 is the absolute last. We have other stages to go through and she was having none of his logic. Look, there are two bodies we know for sure down there. Maybe four. They've got to be brought up. Wait a minute. There are no alligators in that part of the swamp, right? So? No sign of any fish or snakes? No. Well, what are you getting at, Doc? Well, that goes your argument about setting off a dynamite charge underwater. You'd bring the bodies to the surface. Get it out of your mind, Doc. I'm not using any explosives as long as there's another way. Why must you be such a... a stubborn pighead? Exactly. I'll tell you why. Number one, there's bound to be some aquarium life in that section, even if the bigger forms have abandoned it. Explosion underwater would destroy every living thing and wreck what nature took years to build up. Number two, I'm paid to prevent the useless slaughter of wildlife. Number three, I'd have to get authorization. And to get that authorization, I'd have to come up with a heck of a good reason. Satisfied? Finish up, Dad. I want to go home. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that's supposed to be your hero crew and they're not likable. They're really not. They're, I mean, (laughs) was it just me or was the early passionate kiss between Steve and Nan a little... Uh, you, you you mean the way that their faces meet and then kind of start to trail off to the sides because they're not yeah. actually... <laughs> it's like they were buttered up and they, they hit and slid. <laughs> and they missed, yeah. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Yeah, I didn't put it... Yeah, I didn't think about it at the time, but yeah, that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> yeah, I've seen other kisses kind of like that from movies of that era because I, I, I don't know if there's a reason for it. Like, Bad... It, bad technique that's the reason for yeah. it because it could be as simple as they fine. have zero chemistry and yes. they are also both bad kissers exactly yeah liz and cal did fine i think yeah, yeah i've always wondered if there's sensors with a stopwatch just off camera and they're like oh their lips are touching oh sorry too long and I mean, that's why they had to slide off to the side <laughs> you know what it was reminiscent of jack palance trying to kiss uh, the love interest in the dracula movie that he did but at least he had a decent reason because he had those chompers in his uh, mouth in. at the time so he's like my lips are numb these i don't know what these two's problems were <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think Chris was right. Just lack of chemistry because there was pretty much none. They're both, they're two attractive people, but that doesn't mean they've got any chemistry. I think this story or this movie could have been made a little bit more interesting had you worked in the triangle, maybe, ha- or at least have Liz have her sights set on Steve, even mm. if he wasn't reciprocating. I think that could have made a little bit made or, a little bit more interesting. Maybe that's the a, thrust of the 2008 remake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or have a reason for Liz to need to survive, you know. Oh, you know, it 
and I'm carrying Dave's baby or, you know, whatever the thing is oh, where wow. you're, I, whatever, no, not me personally, no, <laughs> where, where you're at least invested in somebody surviving. But as it is, you have, at one point you have four people in the leech's cave and all four of them, you're kind of like, huh, well, that looks uncomfortable, but you're not like, oh no, my favorite swamp person has been captured. Right. <laughs> you're just like, hmm, that seems like it'd be really yucky guys we're missing the real story that we want out of this we want the prequel that explains how dave and liz got together in the first place well no there that's in there i was really hoping you were in there yeah i was hoping you were gonna say we want the romance between the leeches i would go for that one (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean you know we've got liz who is you know a a veteran of a battered relationship meets Dave, who's nice to her, and so she, like you do, marries him. You sure picked a doozy then, man, Dave. I don't think he's got a muscle in him. Just a big piece of flab. Oh, honey, I didn't mean anything against you. Just that I can't see a, a real woman like you turning with a tubalard like him. You wouldn't understand, Cal. You know, I, I've wanted to tell you. You just wouldn't understand. Be trying me. Come on, you tell old Cal all about it. You wouldn't think bad of me? <laughs> Crazy. You tell me you killed your pa and your ma and your whole family. I fight to protect you. First husband was a no good bum. Couldn't keep a job more than a week. Used to get lushed up, come home, beat up on me. You must have been a prize pig. One night he tried to hold up a gas station. He was so drunk he couldn't even run. He caught him less than a mile away. He got set up. I got a divorce. Rough. After three years working in a lousy beanery, I was ready for the first guy to say a nice word to me. It was Dave. That's it. I wish it had been me. I'd know how to take care of a woman like you, Liz. Maybe it ain't too late, Cal. Because that's the only criteria for marriage. Well, my old husband used to beat me. He's nice to me. I'll marry him instead. I mean, it's a step up. I'm not gonna. I'm not denying it's a step up, but uh, you know. And then, and then. But what I'm, I'm so unclear on is like her complete loathing of Dave, because she's yeah. not just like, hey, you're nice, but you know what? Let's just kind of do our own thing. She's like mean to him. Yeah, you don't know where that comes from. That no. isn't explained at all. Mm-mm. There, there's being there's being happy that somebody's nice to you while your your uh, your ex husband beat you. Mm-hmm. There, there, but no no shame in this. But the man's four times her size, and, and clearly she has no attraction for him. So, well, I mean, there are there we all know there are women that are very interested in a man's bank account, 
He seems to be doing pretty well. Clearly, he can provide for her. He, he's the he's guy that owns the shop in the yeah. In, in he the is town. The, yes, he owns the only shop in town, or you know, the, the one that's not you know got rats in it or what. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> You know, he's able to provide for her and she is physically safe with him. But that doesn't even 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 being like, yeah, you know, there's a a level of loathing in here that doesn't make sense. You know, it feels like how could how could she have brought herself to marry him if the thought of him touching her grosses her out that much? Because that's how she acts. Mm -hmm. And it must not have been like that to begin with. Hence the prequel. (laughs) The prequel. I I don't know. I think that's a dark movie. I'm not sure I'd watch that. (laughs) That's a real dark movie. Even to the point where she's like making cow eyes at Cal and... I mean, I I get maybe her just running around with everybody. There are some women that just need to feel like every man is crazy attracted to them. But it seems weird. It seems like it doesn't even feel like Cal is really the guy that's going to be there for her. It seems more like he's the guy that's going to be there until morning, you know, and then he's gone. So oh yeah, I, he'd drop her like a hot rock. Yeah, if, I mean he does. Know, if, if he if he got like oh and yeah he does that's true. When yeah. when push comes to shove, he's mm-hmm. like he's he's throwing her under the bus. Yeah, take her, not me. <laughs> but so it's so weird. There's there's the sh- there's the dynamic of the sheriff who is like actually genuinely like hey if this was a human killer I wouldn't be calling you in game warden so go do your job which is a fair stance to take. But then that just dies, you know, on the cutting room floor. That's it. That's the end of that. He doesn't really have any impact on the story moving on. Doc is literally just there to say, hey, let's use dynamite. And, <laughs> yes. and it, it, like, yeah, yes, this is a, a bee creature film. But it, it maybe and maybe we're just trying too hard to put some meaning into it. Maybe that's all it's really meant to be. No, I think that is the case. This is definitely, it was made for a reason, and that reason was to double bill it with something at a drive-in. That They weren't trying to make any subtle messages about relationships or, or <laughs> no, the, the environment or anything like that. I think so much of that is us 2021 looking back, or 2022 <laughs> now, uh, looking back and, and, and putting it on it. Yeah. Yeah, we're, there's, there's, how many Attack of the Giants, I mean, literally, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman was the year before, and Mm -hmm. that's kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) So they were like, well, the Attack of the Giant whatevers did well, let's just, you know, do one more for the... When was them? Oh, yeah, there's them, there's Mm -hmm. the... The one with the uh, praying mantis, the deadly mantis. Um, <laughs> them. There's there's man. tarantula. Um, Earth versus the spider. Uh, there's y'all. There's there's dozens of them around this time of giant creatures turned large by some means. Mm-hmm. Usually atomic waste or power. Thank you, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> it can all be traced back to Godzilla. It is, yeah. But besides, this movie was really just trying to set up for the sequel. <laughs> Which is the romance leech, right? The leech romance. Absolutely, because I mean, they think they got them, but there were still some left. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they do grow back, don't they? 
Apparently so. Do leeches grow Ooh. back? Yeah, I don't know. Are they like uh, those 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 worms you cut in half and you get two worms? I well, don't know. When we went to the end, there were still sounds in the water. Ah, uh, so, yes, that's true. Yes, I like that. And it was not salt water, so leeches are safe. Yep. But um, yeah. <laughs> I do want to mention that because uh, I'm a big effects guy and all that. I, I enjoy the, that stuff. I, for for a late fifties movie, uh, again the uh, the creatures look pretty good. I had to. I'll admit, I was falling a little love in the underwater the underwater shoots. Um, I thought they did a fairly impressive job having an underwater fight that was actually filmed underwater. I I do agree with that. Um, I I half expected that old go-to tentacle to show up you know the one that the one the one where somebody is clearly off to the side beating somebody yes. with a tentacle yes i did sort of expect that but it doesn't come across like also there is a moment in this where they've got the the dead bodies floating up and it's the people it's the actual actors and they you know it's plausible they could be dead. It's, it's actually pretty impressive, especially at this time. That's pretty gruesome. I wouldn't have expected them to show what's clearly meant to be a dead person's face floating up past the camera. So yeah. there's, there's eyes open and yeah, everything. Yep. Yeah, there are some good effects and there are some good enough effects. Yeah, like Liz's final shot as she very slowly emerges. Would be a little bit more impressed with it if it didn't look like it was just they put like a plexiglass box in the water because you could see where they it, it had they just got some windex and cleaned the uh the the glass a little bit before yes. they shot <laughs> would, yes would have impressed me a little bit more there was yeah there was a little etching in uh, in there so it was obvious we were looking through something else yeah but. i felt like it was probably an aquarium and they had filmed from the outside of the aquarium Impossible. it just yes. it gave me that vibe especially since it had the kind of rock ring that people could kind of point through but couldn't really get through. or maybe they did go through it eventually but it felt a lot like an aquarium setup to me yeah i mean i've seen certainly i've seen worse underwater oh, yeah. uh filming so i mean the fact that they even tried in the, in a film like this i think is pretty impressive mm -hmm. they they didn't have to go to the old well i'm gonna get an aqua lung and go down they didn't have to do that exactly. they could have found a way to move to the uh well i guess that was after the dynamite but there is a way they 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 could have avoided that oh they could have you know moonscape kind of done it but oh i'm underwater slow motion pretending i'm in water fill the room with a little bit of smoke and yes. everyone move slow yes and get some plastic plants that look like maybe they're seaweed yeah so it is i think hey, it is hang everyone on that. wires right <laughs> if even that if not just okay make slow big steps you know exactly if you got your weighted movements. boots on sure yeah. do <laughs> right exactly <laughs> So no, I, I do agree with you. There, there was some additional effort made to this, and and I think the the costume for the creatures is a good example of that. It mm -hmm. really, it really does. I like the I like the look of them when they were in the. The shots are all too brief, but when you see them just sort of just below the surface, kind of doing their little slither through the water, yeah, that was really impressive. Well, and yeah, and when you're having the underwater fight sequence. We see as much of one as you're ever going to, and it yes. is under the. 
whoever's in the bag is under the water in the bag (laughs) (laughs) and and, and moving it around. (laughs) It was fairly impressive. I mean, and and I just took a look quickly. Uh, IMDb estimates that they only spent 70,000 to make the entire film too. So uh, I realize that's in uh, figure. They made that in what? 1958, maybe early 59. Because it was it was released late or in October of fifty nine, so um, that's only that's only about six hundred thousand today. That's not a whole lot of money. Yeah, a half no, million dollars money for no, a feature it, film. So I, I would say that all that money's on screen. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do agree with that. I do wish they could have spent a little bit more and put this one in color. I hmm. would have really liked to have seen this in color. Yeah, I, I could see it being, especially with some of the day for night shots where it would have been nice to have seen a little more clarity, a little more detail. Not yeah. because it's very rough. It's actually pretty clean, the copy I was watching. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it could make it, it could bring in a little more interest. I'd love to know what color the original leeches were. I just assumed they were dark green and light green, but maybe they weren't. Yeah, I wasn't the, the one guy that saw him and took a shot at him say it was there some sort of gray color or something mm. so maybe it was a yeah. dark gray or yeah. almost black is kind of how i would picture them just mm-hmm. yeah they might have had to have done a little bit more in the costuming because i know they could get away with what they got away with because it was black yeah that's a fair point i i'm just looking at the poster again going yeah it's pretty <laughs> bland i guess i mean it could have been like purple and stuff you know but. right yeah you're talking about some of the day for night shots I actually like, I don't know if they did this for this reason, but one of the things that always bugs me is day for night shots is when people go around with like flashlights, you can barely see them because it's day for night. So you can barely see the flashlight doing anything. Mm-hmm. So in this, they used torches, which mm-hmm. showed up so much better on, on the film. At least you and, could see them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it, it sold the whole day for night. I, I really thought that well, was a better than yeah, some. I, I hope that was a, <laughs> That was a uh, actual decision for that reason. Mm, I wonder. That'd be interesting to know. I definitely had moments where I expected them to pull out pitchforks and start chasing (laughs) the monster, you know. But it it felt uh, a little um, (laughs) retro in a Frankenstein sense. (laughs) It did. And also, I mean, you got to admit, Torches Lake. Mm, not the best lighting choice, but, <laughs> but but no, it did show up, and I noticed that too. You you are right on that point. Yeah, I wonder what the game warden would have thought. You know, he doesn't like dynamite in the lake. What would he have thought if one of those torches got dropped and set the whole damn place afire? <laughs> <laughs> now, now we all know that uh, Steve wasn't a particularly good game warden because at one point while standing outside. There is clearly a monkey screeching <laughs> in the background. Caught me off guard. I'm like, they're supposed to be in the Everglades. And Steve wasn't like, what the? Where the hell's the monkey coming from? I was going to say, he's not, he's not a very proficient gun user either because when Liz screams and he rushes over and she like huddles up against him, he's pointing his gun right at her. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God, I almost forgot about that part. Yeah, she's all cuddled in and his the barrel is pointed right up her nose. And I was like, like oh, uh, 
Now, does he think she did that to that guy? Or I'm really confused right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a moment. I had, I can't believe I forgot that one. That, yeah, that, that set me off. I'm like, dude, what the I hell? By him carrying a handgun as a game warden, you would think he'd have like a rifle. or Where's his rifle? Yeah, or, or a, um, oh gosh, what's it called? A tranquilizer gun or something like that. Because they had tran- tranquilizer by tranquilizers back then he's met a he's met a gator in a dark alley on too many times he's carrying it from his other movies from those euro spy movies he's like oh no i got a gun i'll just i'll just bring it you guys don't have to provide me with one i was a revolver it came from his uh Uh, steve that's not really what uh no 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 it's fine trust me nobody will notice But the other thing, you know, they're down in the Everglades. The whole place is in the swamp and everything. And, of course, they use the uh, the reason that you don't see any gators is because of the leeches are in the, the water. But So that makes sense. But still, I'm amazed that there's no stock footage of gators in this yeah. film. Yeah. Well, okay. Amazed or impressed? <laughs> A little bit of both, maybe. Could because from the Corman family, the fact that he showed restraint yeah. and, did, and didn't <laughs> was kind of actually cool. Oh. Hmm. What was I watching then that had gators in it? <laughs> I just, you know, I, I'm, it wasn't this. I think you're right. But <laughs> I had a moment where I was like, wait, there were those two alligators. No, not in this film. No, it was, I think I just picked, I think I just pegged what it was, but uh We'll leave that for the other podcast. <laughs> well, and I, and I guess the reason they really couldn't do it is they really wanted to hammer home that these creatures were chasing or apex. destroying. Oh, yeah, were the apex predators mm-hmm. around here. And we are coming in in the middle of it all. We don't know <laughs> when they moved in, but we are sometime after they've take, taken up residence in the uh, in this swamp. There's one comment, too, where Stephen, um, I almost called her Jan, Stephen Nan, Jan in the pan, Nan in the pan, <laughs> Stephen Nan are talking, <laughs> and he, he says something about, you know, oh, I, I think your father mustn't, can't be right, we haven't seen any indication of alien creatures. It's a liberal use of the word alien. Yeah, <laughs> but they yeah. Could, I, I felt like that was a, a moment where it could have become like, ooh, out of leeches from outer space that that could have added an interesting oh, twist to it i'm writing that down leeches from space <laughs> tom's just cracking up <laughs> i'm glad that amused you <laughs> i, I want to see that mm-hmm. movie now. i think we all do <laughs> that would have been the climax of the film is with the the leeches spacecraft lifting up out of the swamp <laughs> oh that'd be so good <laughs> i'm with tom though that this is and i, I at least i don't want to I think this is what you're saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it is a kind of a fun film to watch. Yeah, it's a cheesy B monster movie, but I mean, it's a thoroughly watchable, enjoyable cheesy B monster movie. I mean, the the effects are reasonable. Uh, the the monster is is actually kind of scary. Uh, the unique, if nothing the, else, unique. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and the way in which they kill is actually fairly it creepy. It all works. Yeah, that, there's that one shot where you can clearly see on somebody's face that the leeches have been, you know, feeding off the guy's face. And I mean, it's a pretty gruesome wound. And Liz looks over and screams or whatever, or, you know, shudders, whatever she does. And and I thought, you know, along with all the blood that's going on, I thought, yeah, that's like, that's, that's 
freaking scary. A giant leech latching onto your face? That's scary. <laughs> like, whoa. Well, I, I know how flipped out I'd be if a, a regular leech <laughs> it was on my face. Me. Seriously. <laughs> and that, uh, that first trapper, he was the first victim to come out uh, of the... Uh, the swamp, and he when he comes across the others and, and dies, essentially, he is dead pale. They did a great job making it look like, because later they actually explain he's been essentially drained of all Exsanguinated. of blood. Like, <laughs> they didn't use the word exsanguinated, yeah. did they? <laughs> no, probably not. That, that, that's no. that's that's a uh, that's a too big of a scrabble word for this movie. <laughs> uh, that is something that I really liked about this film is how they. Um, when they're describing the creatures, they're trying to figure out if they're intelligent or not. And they do hypothesize that they effectively sent this guy. This guy yes. went out, he saw them, he wounded and or killed one of them, and they took revenge. Retribution, yeah. Yeah, I. Either it, it could have been just coincidence, because he was back out in the swamp and they found him again, or... It would have been nice for them to have used that again in the film, because it would have been much scarier if they determined these things are actually intelligent. Could they actually plot the death of uh, another sentient? I mean, their brains... I don't, so. Do leeches have... Do they... But these are atomic mm, leeches. True. <laughs> so, or, uh, at least that's what Doc is speculating. <laughs> so. Oh, Doc. <laughs> but no, see, I, I also, while, yeah, we can make fun of or poke at the uh, A slash B plot, but because this is a monster movie, I think like lots of monster movies, we are seeing a snapshot in, in a town where the actual focus is on the fact that there's a monster, there are monsters killing people. Um, so we're we're just looking for our hook to get in there. So we have our little, we have our Dave, Liz, Cal trio. We have Steve and Nan. It's their lives, and we just want to get to the leeches, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Take me to your leeches. <laughs> oh, like, like, thank you, <laughs> Chris. Back me up here. How much do you care about any of the other plot in a Godzilla movie? That's, well, depends on the movie, <laughs> but I take your point. Right, but yeah, it, you watch it for whatever all the humans are talking about? Typically, <laughs> no. You're looking for the monster fight, yeah. I'm always hoping the kid's going to get yeah. eaten, but that's just me. <laughs> Kitty! Camera! <laughs> Well, now I officially need a t-shirt that says, take me to your leeches. <laughs> I have a friend that can make that for you. I, I like that idea. We'll have to get a good shot of what these leeches look like. We'll do a little little artistic uh, thing of the leech and says, take me to your leeches. I, I think that's, that would absolutely work. Mm -hmm. To be found later on T-Pub. <laughs> Stay tuned. Hey, our 10-year anniversary is coming up. <laughs> This is going to be your 10-year anniversary special shirt. special 10-year anniversary <laughs> shirt. Take me to your leeches. Take leeches. me to your leeches. <laughs> Orphaned Entertainment. <laughs> well, do either of you guys have anything else that you want, any other points or anything you wanted to talk about this before we get into actually rating yeah, this? Yeah, I think we're to the Othals. Yes, yes. Tom, I didn't discuss it with you earlier, but uh, here in Orphan Entertainment, we do have a rating system that we put on our films. 
uh, we call them the Othal rating system. Uh, zero or one Othals are avoided at all costs. <laughs> and five... Five is you need to watch this. You need to go out and watch this film. Mm-hmm. So since you're our guest, we're going to put it to you first. This is your prize for being on Orphan Entertainment. You get to go first and declaring, you know, where would you rate this on that scale? I'm going to go with solid three right there in the middle. I, I mean, it's worth a watch. If you miss it, uh, your life will go on. <laughs> we won't come find you. <laughs> no, but but I mean... Yeah, th- this is worth this is worth a trip to it. It's just, it's not fantastic, but it's a lot of fun. All right, Lydia, what do you think? I am going to also not go with a three. I go with it. I'm going to say <laughs> two. Um, and my specific two. reasons are there are some loose ends and some non sequiturs, but really the bigger reason is there are other much better. Uh, creature films out there from this era that are either scarier or um, I'm not going to knock the production value of this. I think it's about par with any B, you know, B creature film around this time, but there are some, you know, where you're more engaged with the characters or the, the creature is more intimidating. You know, you can just get a little bit more out of the story. So if I were going to tell you, you have to watch a creature film, this would not be it. And there's just enough, I think, to... I could I could go with a two and a half. Typically, we will do sometimes a half. So I'd be comfortable with a two and a half rating. A three might be eh, a, a little more than I'd be willing to give it. But, um, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get into a knife fight over it or anything. <laughs> uh, I certainly don't fault Tom for going for a three. I think I'm more on, in Lydia's camp on this one. Because it's the sort of film that... Yes, it's an enjoyable B-movie, but not everyone's... It's an enjoyable B-movie for people that enjoy B-movies. Yes. That is fair. So, yeah, I won't go as high for a, 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 as a three, but, yeah, like Lydia, a two, maybe two and a half. So yeah, a solid 2.6 with an infinity bar over the top <laughs> between the two, three of us. The average is three, 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 two three, and two yeah. thirds Othals. I'm giving you a good 2.7354. <laughs> 12. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, there, it isn't, it isn't without value and two might be, it might be a little harsh, but um, I just think there are some better ones out there that, you know, if you're, if you're like, uh, you know what? I just never have really watched an old black and white creature film. Which one should I pick up? I think there's a list before you get to this one. Yes, yeah. The others will be a little further down. Well, I guess that will probably do it for this episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening. And, Tom, thank you very much for joining us and having fun with this uh, with this film. It was Absolutely. a pleasure. And, like... Three Ophelettes still, what or whatever you call those. I'm still going with <laughs> That's fine. No, I'm happy. And Lydia, thank you very much for joining. Thank you. Hey, I'm, you know, always happy to come up with a clever tagline. <laughs> I mean, that was my contribution she, she earned this episode. Pay this uh, month. Uh, <laughs> my for, massive with, uh, paycheck. Take me to your beaches. <laughs> Absolutely. Look for well, it. Well, that will do it. Well, I mean, this is uh, this is the start of our 2022. So I hope everyone had a happy new year. And uh, let's hope that 2022 
is a fun year and I hope there's more to do this year than there has been in the last couple. Uh, we will be here every month as always. So we're looking forward to bringing you some more public domain and abandoned films. That's going to do it. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye. See ya.